Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hello again from the First Gen Hunter Podcast. I'm here at Ground Zero for the 2022 Whitetail Rut. Although I say that and I haven't actually personally seen a lot of rutting activity. I know it's going on. I have seen some. I just got out earlier uh, in the week with my son Jonas and my grandpa and of course the bird dogs to do a little pheasant hunting and uh, we uh, bumped a few uh, deer that were bedded down there was a buck and a doe that looked like they were locked locked down for the day until we came by and uh, my grandpa said he even saw a third deer come out of there and uh, I've seen some chasing around going on in the fields on my way to work but I really have not uh, been hunting deer very much during uh this year's rut so far i got out um that same day i went pheasant hunting i went out for an evening sit saw nothing uh other than a i had a skunk at about five yards from me and um had uh, some squirrels close by other than that though it was a dead night in the woods and uh i say that because you may be experiencing the same thing. You might be uh, heading out to the stand each day wondering what you're missing. What is it that you don't understand about hunting the rut? All of that self-consciousness that, uh, you know, if you're a new hunter, it just kind of comes with the territory, right? And I'm here to tell you, uh, you're not necessarily doing anything wrong. It might just be the place where you hunt doesn't offer a lot of what is necessary to have a good rut property to hunt so uh, you might need to uh, change up the game a little bit might need to go and uh, find somewhere that's got a lot more doe bedding cover maybe think back to if you did some shed hunting this spring some of those areas where you saw a ton of uh, deer beds and uh you know a little bit thicker cover um look still even here in the midwest it's been pretty warm so far this fall so look for some green food sources those are still going to be uh hot for deer this time of year of course some are probably already picking around in the in the uh field litter for uh corn kernels and and soybeans and stuff but definitely if you got some uh green food sources those are still going to be hot um hit those in the evening does are still you know they still need to eat and uh, the bucks are going to be where the does are so maybe call a little bit of an audible make a little adjustment but uh don't get down the best days in my opinion are still ahead of us and uh this coming week should be dynamite well here on this episode we uh are going to have a nice little rut preview what's going on this week in the rut and then we're going to dive into a conversation that Brandon and I uh, Brandon of course the original co-host of the show uh, been with me since day one he's with Hunt Fish Life out in Delaware we sat down with a longtime guest on the podcast Mr. Joe Shedd from Go Shed Hunting 
and Joe is going to uh, give us a rundown of what's been going on in the outdoors here recently for him. But also he's going to give us a little inside scoop on his most recent book. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that Joe wrote what I believe to be the only book on shed hunting. It's a great book, one that's helped me a ton with my own shed hunting. Uh, But now he uh, took a lot of his articles that he's written for various outdoor magazines through the years. Uh, Of course, Joe used to be a editor for Deer and Deer Hunting magazine back in the day. So he's got a long uh, uh, I guess, resume, you could say, of outdoor writing. And uh, he's taken a lot of his favorite deer hunting stories and he's compiled them all into one book. And that book is titled Buck Tales. So we're going to talk to Joe about his book called Buck Tales. And he's going to even give us a little sample of a story from that book. And uh, you can actually purchase that book now. You can go to his website, GoShedHunting.com, or you can even look on uh, Facebook. And I've been seeing it pop up in Marketplace, and uh, you can go to the Go Shed Hunting page on Facebook, and I'm sure you could find it through there as well. But Joe is such a great guy. He's a great outdoorsman, somebody who just has a knack for getting it done somebody who's wired like i am just to be outside as much as possible and i'm guessing a good portion of you are wired the same way so you're going to want to tune into this one because at the end you're going to wish you were best friends with joe shed and you're definitely going to want to buy a copy of bucktails all right keep your chin up keep uh playing the wind and uh shoot your bow in between hunts and Stay with it because good things are coming. The best days of the rut are just around the corner. Some of you may even have gun seasons going on right now. Anything can happen. And I look forward to seeing many of you tag your your dream buck this season. And even if you don't, the time outside is never wasted. All right, let's go ahead and hear from our uh, quick rut preview guest. It's going to be Mr. Caleb Drake. Uh, You've heard him many times on the podcast. He's going to talk to us a little bit, give us a little pointer here, and uh, then we'll get into the episode. So as promised, I got a special guest, your favorite Caleb, good old Caleb Drake. He's part of the Hunt Therapy crew. And actually, uh, Caleb and I had a bit of excitement this evening, um, more so on Caleb's end because he just filled his archery uh, buck tag. But I'm not going to spill the beans too much because we are way overdue for a Hunt Therapy episode. Need to hear the story of my buck and the story of now Caleb's buck as well. And who knows what could happen in between now and then because uh, there's all sorts of hunting trips that are planned for all of us and uh, things are just going to get rowdy here, I think, before the end of the month. But we're just focused on this week. And Caleb, you are an experienced bow hunter here in the Midwest. Uh, could you maybe give our listeners an idea of what they should be uh, looking for and expecting based on what you've been seeing hunting this week already and uh, um, just historically what you've seen happen during this second full week of November time frame as far as the rut goes? Yeah, well, I don't, and I, I'll say this. I don't know if I deserve the... Uh quite the title of an experienced bow hunter but i appreciate it nonetheless and and uh this week um i i think that the the rut is starting to kick up especially depending on some cold fronts coming in um i know for me if i hadn't 
filled my tag this evening that I was looking forward to some of the cold snaps that are coming our way in this part of the Midwest. But um, I did see uh, my first chasing last night. Um, a smaller one-and-a-half-year-old uh, deer was chasing a doe. And um, and then today the only thing I saw was, was bucks by themselves kind of cruising around. And I did see a fawn by itself. Um, so that tells me, you know, a couple of things. That, that the bucks are on their feet looking for the ladies. And, um, and a fawn by itself typically means that the, it separated itself from, um, from its mom or its mom has separated itself from it. So um, all the signs of that the rut is, is coming to a, a peak, if you will. Um, I would say, at least in our area of the Midwest, looks like it, it's going to happen this week. Um, Historically, for me, some of my favorite days, and maybe this will change now because two years in a row on this this Sunday day, I've shot uh, shot deer. So, um, but uh, usually around the 11th to the 14th is kind of my favorite time to bow hunt. I feel like it's a, a little bit um, later where you get past some of those um, maybe the, the funky weather, or typically all the does or, and bucks are. They're ready to roll by that time, um, and then I know, like in a, in a state like Illinois, where I'm from, um, the shotgun season rolls in um, that 18th to the 20, 20th or 21st, whatever that weekend is. And I've always thought that weekend is a great weekend to hunt, um, whether it's archery in, in the state like Iowa or other states that have an archery season going at that time, or if you're hunting a gun season in a place like Illinois. I grew up watching deer chase you know nose to the ground bucks chasing and um both of my sisters shot their biggest bucks ever with bucks that were running right behind those nose to the ground and um so I, I heck between now and thanksgiving i don't think you have you can you can pick a bad day to go in the woods really mm, love that and uh yes we do have a massive cold front moving in towards the end of this week um i believe friday is really the day that's probably going to benefit from that i think we got some thunderstorms planned but yeah uh, there you've heard it from uh, the guy who's been sitting out there hunting and uh just filled his tag hunting the rut tonight so uh put some of that into you know back your mind a little bit be thinking about those cruising bucks caleb was talking about and just um you know i've been hearing a lot of guys really excited about what's gone on in the the deer woods for them that first week of november but to me uh just based on my very limited amount of uh rut experience and and understanding what that's about as a first gen hunter um just seems like i know more people to have more success during this coming week kind of like caleb was talking about getting that deep into that second week of november so in my opinion the best is yet to come and uh hopefully you yourself will get a chance to uh you know peel off that fresh buck tag and wrap it around the antlers and uh you know really uh have that special moment here as we're in this special time of the deer season all right with that let's go ahead and jump into this episode episode number 99 double nines here people we got the big 100 coming up next but episode number 99 with joe shed thanks for tuning in well tonight on the First Gen Hunter podcast, we are bringing back a multiple-time guest, and I think this is the third time he's been on the show, and by this being his third time on the show, man, 
I don't know, Brandon. That might put him up there with like Cole Young, maybe. Uh, who's yeah? Who's very high on the list for number of appearances, and mm-hmm. the only person who I think has been on here more than than Cole and Joe now is mm-hmm. Noel Gandy, maybe Noel or Heath. I think That's true. Noel, Noel and Heath might be tied. I don't know. They're pretty close. So yeah, you're in some elite company there, Joe. Well, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you make sure you put that on your resume. But uh, um, next time, next time you get a client to come out and do some uh, do a guided fishing trip with you, you, you can just tell them that and put that right there on the pamphlet or whatever. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh no we're we're always happy to have you some of uh my most favorite episodes that we've done uh, i actually have kind of a funny story the last time um uh joe and i recorded i think w- it was a shed hunting episode and i don't know if you remember this joe but i grossly overestimated how big moose a moose spread is and uh okay. <laughs> I told you, I was like, <laughs> you like politely are like, uh, that would be insane. And, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, Joe, I'm cutting that out of there. I'm going to sound like an idiot if I, if I, if I keep that in there. But now that everyone thoroughly understands how dumb I am, I will, uh, fess up. I think I said an eight foot spread on, uh, I mean, from like, Tip to tip on that on that moose rack, which is that would just be insane. I don't that might that'd be like Irish elk uh, category there probably, but but uh, no, that was a that was a good memory. And another another cool memory is uh, the moose hunting story was very popular, and my dad loved it. He talked about it multiple times. He he uh, really got into the story, and and uh, I think you did a good job of like painting the picture of misery that you endured on that trip. And uh, he he that like <laughs> that really stuck with him that uh, um, you went through all that to get that moose. And, um, so that was, that's another cool memory from that, but no, we're just tickled to have you back on the podcast. And, uh, I'm going to bring that moose story up again later in the podcast. I'm going to use my position here as the podcast host to influence you on your new upcoming book that we're going to talk about. But, um, before mm. <laughs> I, Brandon and I participated in the little poll you did on, on your uh, page, but, um, yes, yeah. Uh, we, we definitely think it needs to make the cut, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get there because we first have to, uh, kind of, you know, maybe we have some new listeners that haven't heard Joe yet. They don't know. They haven't seen the, uh, don't play with matches or how to take care of your shed hunter, um, or your shed hunting music videos <laughs> that you've, uh, made, <laughs> made through the years. And they don't know what kind of a, kind of a guy you are. They don't know your personality, but, um, this spring. So every, at least once or twice a year, I see something that Joe posts and it gets me laughing for, I don't know. I probably rewatch the video two, three, four times sometimes. And, uh, this year's, <laughs> 
I don't think Joe quite planned. Um, in fact, uh, if, if you watch the video, it becomes very clear. He didn't plan for this problem, uh, that he encountered, but, uh, <laughs> it had to do with kind of a sketchy gas station, uh, lunch or breakfast or something. Um, and it kind of hit you wrong, right, Joe? Yeah, you just had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 before you share the details, Joe, was that your was that your worst day of shed hunting you've ever had, or was it a good day in the end because you found some antlers? The well, way I thought it was a really good day. <laughs> <laughs> that answers that that answers how how um how much Joe loves shed hunting when you hear the the details to this story. But um I got to know Joe. Did it really happen? I mean did did you uh you, have to lose some of your garments? You want to see the unedited video? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pay-per-view right there oh man man. yeah so the the story that that happened for those of you that uh haven't seen the video joe had some uh gas station food that didn't or that didn't agree with him well and uh you ended up having to uh Shed hunt half dressed. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's a kind way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so. Uh, well, and you. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's funny. And any for any anyone who's been in the outdoors long enough, whether you're you know a hunter, shed hunter, fisherman, whatever, sooner or later you're gonna have you've you've had or you're going to have a story like this and it adds to the fun and the adventure although not so fun in the moment it adds to the fun and the adventure <laughs> so <laughs> joe take it away <laughs> oh boy well, it was, what, what happened is i've actually been set up elsewhere earlier in the day and uh, um we got down there and i was scrambling um there's a place I wanted to hit on the way back. I'd actually been out there earlier in the season and, and had found some sheds. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I probably got a couple hours if I, if I hustle. And so I got out there and had some, uh, some kind of a spicy beef stick that they made themselves at that gas station. <laughs> oh no. And it was a little spicier than I expected. And I, I bought some juice and I ended up drinking quite a bit of juice to try to wash the spice down. And I think that, <laughs> that combination kind of was a bad idea. <laughs> and uh, this is back in March, which is still winter up here. And, um, I I knew that there was a wayside up ahead and I was thinking, okay, just make it to the wayside, make it to the wayside. And I get to the wayside, and of course, the gate's down. And I go sprinting past the gate and thinking, what are the chances that the outhouse door is going to be locked? And of course it was. Oh, so, uh, no. <laughs> so uh, I had to wander off in the bushes. And I, I had all the, I had toilet paper and stuff. So it was okay, you know. And, and uh, <laughs> so I, you know, 15 minutes later, I get to where I was going to shed hunt. And I, I actually, the thought crossed my mind. 
should I bring some toilet papers just in case? I'm like, nah, I'll be fine. It's all over now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, I walked 10 minutes and I had found a shed, um, you know, right away. And, uh, all of a sudden it just hits me. And, and, uh, like there was, it's a, it's a burned over area. Like there's no trees, there's no nothing. I mean, it's just brush. It's like, oh man. And there was nothing <laughs> I could do. <laughs> there was nothing to do. And, and, uh, but I had toilet paper back in the truck, but I just, I had to make it back to the truck. And, um, so I'm carrying my pants and, um, just walking, you know, walking in my hiking boots and my, and my shirt, that's about it. And, and, <laughs> and the, the kicker is, as I'm, and I'm trying to stay in the lowest brush I can find. Like I try to avoid the higher brush. That was not going to be good. But uh, yeah. the was, on the walk back to the truck, I actually found a match set of sheds side by side. And, nice. Uh, you know, that was cool. And I got back. Yes. And I, I dropped off my my sheds and I dropped off my gear and I thought I had another pair of pants in the truck, which I did not. They were, um, yeah, they were not not to be found. <laughs> and I'm like, I found three sheds like in, in like a half hour, and I don't really want to quit, so I just kept going. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Staying in that low brush, and I ended up finding a fourth one. Um, so I, I think I might be on to something. I might be uh, worth trying again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. My oh, goodness. Wow. Man. Oh, <laughs> what a dangerous game. Just all the thorns oh, and cockleburs and, and everything else. Mm, that, mm, that, could, mm, that could make that a very uh, dangerous uh, uh endeavor you might be getting a call for that uh discovery show too that show on discovery <laughs> <Yeah. show. laughs> and afraid shed hunting edition yeah yeah <laughs> oh man no that is that is great and the the part of from the the <laughs> the censored video the censored version of it that you that Joe said that was that was so funny was he kept a tally for number of sheds found with pants on versus pants off. <laughs> yeah, prior to that, we'd walk like five or six hours, and uh, the guy I was with, uh, uh, he and I each found one shed while wearing our pants, and uh, so it, I, it, I did a lot better. I ended up finding four, or well, I guess. Three without pants and two with pants that day. So I think I'm on it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh man, that is that is a story you will never forget. That is for sure. As it much sounds, as sounds like a good uh, a theme for uh, another book. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, it that, could be. that might be your. There's you go. There's your. Uh, there's your intro to your uh, upcoming book that we're going to talk well, about here. Yes. Actually, yes. I've actually thought about doing. Of a book on just disasters in the outdoors with a working oh. title of Fart Sharks Outdoor Disasters. But I don't think that title. Love is it. Good. That's great. That is great. <laughs> that would be a bestseller, man. That'd be everybody. Yes. Would, everybody would uh, uh, love to read that because, as Brandon says, there's a story there for everybody. But, oh man, yeah all all the all the big kids, all the guys being big kids, man, we'd all we'd we'd be all over that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, that's 
That's uh, that's pretty hilarious. There, you're a good sport about it for uh, talking to, talk, telling us the details on it. But no, that's uh, that's a good one. Well, besides just uh, doing some pantless shed hunting, uh, you did have a pretty good year of moose shed hunting, right? Yeah, and I was wearing pants for all the moose shed this time this year too. <laughs> so it, only, it only applies to whitetails. The law only applies to whitetails. <laughs> Uh, I can promise you, where the moose live, you would not want to be pantless. <laughs> it would not be <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's some pretty thick brush up there. Um, yeah. How many did you guys end up finding total? Because it was you and a buddy that went, right? Yeah. Um, we had a fun 33. Um, wow. We actually had... A half, I think we found like a half a dozen the first afternoon. We basically had a half day to walk and, and we were finding them as we were walking to our destination. Like we were just making a beeline to where we wanted to get and we kept finding them. And then yeah. we had a, one whole day to walk and I think we found like a dozen that day. And then we started packing them out and on the way out, we just took a different route every time we went out. And we just kept stumbling on them when we were walking out. So I think essentially we found i think we found 33 of them in basically three days you know wow um, yeah that's awesome that's really tremendous so now joe what what do you, i mean you know question that some people might have you know we obviously you know all know that uh shed you know moose sheds are large what what do you guys ultimately do with them like is there you know what, what's what's kind of the setup what do you do with them um well <laughs> What I've done with like some of my best ones is I've kind of created this like leaning tower of pizza type of thing uh, in my guest bedroom. <laughs> all down okay, okay. Night. <laughs> It'll just fall down randomly every once in a while. It just scares the crap out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very dangerous. Then you go shed hunting, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I have enough of them where I'm starting to wonder what to do we and we have gotten to the point where if we find these you know old lungs that are chewed up or chalky or whatever that we have started leaving those lay um yeah so yeah like what do you and you know if, if you're right by the truck and like you could just walk you know you know 200 yards and throw it in the truck that'd be one thing but you know, we're yeah we're trying to fight our way through the brush you know i think i think you know, we were packing like five sheds at a time and then you'd find one on a walkout too so you have like you know, 50, 60 pounds in your back. And then you, then you're carrying one that you found on the way out. It was just, you know, if it's, if it's not a pretty shed, we usually <laughs> just leave it be. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. understandable. Um, so with that, I mean, is that your best, is that your best year ever? 33? No, um, we had such a short spring this year. I mean, we literally, that was my whole season was three days. Um, we just, I, mm. I didn't even go into a lot of spots that I would like to have gone to. Um, yeah, those are the only, the only moose that they found this year were in that three day period. So, wow. And, wow. Uh, the year before we had a early, early spring and I was able to get out into some areas way earlier than I ever have and, and had more time to do it. So, um, yeah, we just didn't have much opportunity to go. I mean, it's, it's, there's no point to looking for moose sheds and the snow's up to your nose or up to your knees. Not up to your nose, <laughs> up to your knees. And, and then they all drop back in December, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. They drop them 
very early compared to uh, yeah. deer. And I mean, have you ever, have you ever found one, a fresh moose shed or is it just like nobody even considers looking until May? Oh, there's definitely guys that go out on snow shoes and snow wheels, and I've kind of messed around with that a little bit, and it's so much work for for the amount of effort. And you know, and I don't really like to push them around anyway in the winter, but yeah, right. You know, but it is it is hard to you know it's easy to get stuck, and with the snowmobile, mm-hmm. it's just it ends up being more more trouble than it's worth. And and then you really have to time it right because you know, some drop in November, and you know if you get a six inch snowfall you know it's, yeah, they, it's they get very quick so it's yep. it's such a yeah. narrow one and there's certainly guys that do it you know but it's yeah it hasn't really been something that i do yeah yeah so so what was what like i was gonna say what what's what would be the count on your best year like what's or, or even what's an average year like if you have a reasonable start to the spring what's a what's an average i think i don't know most years have been around 20 um i think I okay think best year yeah, I think my best year is only probably around thirty. Hmm. So uh, okay. Um, now, now, um, if I remember right, last time we talked about this, you're hitting. What was the tree? Was it black cedar or something like that, or or um, uh, what was the tree name that you were uh, really keying in on for uh, for moose antlers? Yeah. Uh, probably. You know, balsam fir. Balsam spend a lot of fir, time that's balsam. what it was. Yeah. I don't even know if black cedar is a tree. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> red, red or white. All right, here's the part I got to, here's the part I got to, uh, I got to edit out now. That, so hey, Joe, Joe, Joe is protecting me again. That's Joe, right. Joe is working out. Like, uh, we need to get Brian. Yeah, maybe we, it's a thing somewhere else. I don't, uh, know. I don't know. I don't think it, it's, you know, it's, pro- it's probably like uh, blue raspberry. You know, the best tasting mythical fruit out there is uh, anything flavored with blue raspberry, like Powerade or something. But no, I don't, I don't know. Black Cedars, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like the name for like a, uh, like a resort. Or something, you know what I mean? Be like, either that or undercover a government op or something, you know? You never know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, uh, no. I, yeah, so it's those balsam fir uh, swampy areas that that you like to key out, key in on, right? Yeah, you know that's and that's nasty stuff because um, it's it's awful. You know, it's really low. Um, so in the springtime, when the snow melts, those are the areas that are just full of water. So it's, that's hard to get into stuff like, uh, you know, young Aspen that's coming back up, like just, you know, big around as your thumb, that, that kind of stuff, a little higher, drier ground. I'm sure there's tons of antlers that are just getting swallowed up in those swamps. Cause you know, in the springtime with the, when the, uh, fresh snow melts, I mean, it, it could be like up mm-hmm. to your knees trying to go through those swamps. We're bog hopping through there, trying to go from bog to bog and you got three antlers on your back and they're swinging around clunking in the head. And it's a disaster. <laughs> Boosted hunting is not fun. It's, it's fun to hunt, but it's not fun to haul them out. Oh yeah. I bet, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet it's a yeah, real yeah, challenge, yeah. but you know what, Joe, I really want to invite myself up there to go with you sometime. <laughs> And, uh, I have, I'm going to beg you, man. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, I, I, I have more freedom in my schedule now. Uh, if it's not too late in May, um, uh, to maybe swing that sometime, it'd be a lot of fun, but, um, 
yeah, I, I have a dream of just, if I could just find one moose paddle, um, I'd, I'd be super happy, but I also want to go elk shed hunting sometime or even caribou shed hunting, which I think most people hunt caribou sheds when they hunt caribou <laughs> and, and they, <laughs> they just, uh, they just kind of see them laying around from what I hear, uh, if you're in the right spot in a spot where they were, you know, spending time during shedding season, but both the males and females carry antlers. So, you know, you're doubling the essentially doubling, or, I mean, if the ratio of, well, and not even that, right. Cause what's uh, the whitetail ratio, isn't it two to one Brandon for bucks or for does to bucks is generally the, the, I think. Yeah. The, yeah. The that, general... that's, that's an ideal type of ratio. That's really going to maximize, you know, your, your, your rut, your, you know, natural activity, you know, a lot, most places in the country don't have it, but yeah, that's, that's, that's ideal. Yeah. So, I mean, if you apply that same rule then to caribou, what does that mean now? Mm-hmm. You, got, you have three times as many antlers, right? On the ground. Oh. If So imagine that Joe having three times as many white tits. <laughs> yeah, it does. You don't even have to take your pants off. <laughs> oh man. No, that's that's uh that sounds like a ton of fun doing some uh moose shed and hunting, but I I can hear you though on that pack out. Those things are enormous, especially if you find like a fresh one, you know, cuz if you find an old chalky one, then you know, those are kind of the Chalky antlers are just a little bit lighter than a fresh antler. I bet a fresh antler, that's probably, what, a good 10, 12 pounds if you find a big, mature bull? Well, 15, 16, hmm. most of the big ones are on here. Wow. So if you uh, find a match set, year, you're, you're at 30 pounds on your back. Yeah, yeah. My buddy this year found a match set of pretty nice sheds, and they were laying in the water, so they were... They were not only lo- waterlogged, but they were stinky too. Uh, but he, he could he couldn't leave them. <laughs> right, that's right. That's yeah, right. no, that's that's for sure. But well, that's what, and that's that's like you know you you know you. So we all have different weight in terms of you know like a portable you know you're you're hauling a portable in, and you know you might have that lightweight you know ten or twelve pounder that's really nice, or you have you know the sixteen or eighteen pounder that's heavy you know it's like just picturing obviously something that's a lot more bulky and on the heavy side for a portable and you're lugging that thing around and hitting everything and you know it reminds me of sometimes you know i don't know if you guys are like this but sometimes it could be anything it could be outdoors it could be anything sometimes the anticipation of something and you know the 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 thought of past memories and the fun of it you know, it's, it's sometimes different than the reality, although you still have a great time, but it's like, you know, that fellowship and the fun that you have and the thinking about it and the planning for it. And then you get out there and you're hauling, you know, 40 pounds of sheds, you know, yeah. in, in, in rain or something. You're like, oh, oh my goodness, why well, do we even like this? But you're like, but you, you love it. You know, you love every part of it, but it's like, you know, sometimes that anticipation is the best part. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. It's kind of like planning for for vacation versus you know you're down to like your last day and a half of vacation you're just like you're like counting the hours down <laughs> vacation's almost over it's like you're in such yeah, a better mood yeah. when you weren't on vacation you were looking forward to it yeah right 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 but no that's that's a good point brandon for sure so did you guys end up doing some camping this year when you were or like truck camping when you were 
doing your moose shed trip? Yeah, we we were camped out. But then, then we can get uh, further back in if we if we set the uh, set up camp back in the woods. Um, and we kind of just did a, a spike camp. Uh, we just uh, I think I don't know. We were probably a mile and a half in or whatever. And then we had like another mile to get to where we wanted to actually shed on. Um, and we did find quite a few where we wanted to go, but we ended up finding them, you know, around camp even too. So oh, cool. Uh, they were just kind of, they were just kind of everywhere. So yeah, that's, that makes it a ton of fun. And I mean, is there a lot of competition for it when you get up there? Are you bumping into other guys looking at all, or do you guys pretty much have the place to yourself? No, there's, there's a lot of competition, you know, there's not that many moose around here. And, um, the guys that, that do it, I mean, we kind of all know each other, who each other is and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you get the mentality. It's like, well, I'm going to go way back in there and nobody else is going to be willing to go that far. And they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Interesting. Very hardcore. The guys that are, it are very hardcore. And, and uh, so it's, you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that, and that's, I mean, that's pretty interesting because I mean, it really speaks to success even more, you know, because if you're out there by yourself, okay, that's one thing, but you're out there with a lot of other people that obviously are very knowledgeable as well and to still go out there and have success. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely makes it tough. I mean, there's definitely competition. Um, it, it could get in your head too, you know, um, you keep thinking, you know, oh man, somebody else must have been in here. That's why I'm not finding anything. You just got to kind of yeah. play your own game, you know. I mean, I mean, there there are times I'm sure where we get in spots that have been picked over, but you know, yeah. you, nobody gets them all. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's, right. That's true. And um, uh, you also have to, uh, you know, probably feel a little bit of conflict there, inner conflict, because and. And I think this too, sometimes when I post something, it's like, hmm, should I post this picture of this giant shed I found in my spot burning a little bit, you know, or, or, uh, you know, just by putting that awareness out there and you got to be kind of secretive of where you're at and that kind of thing. Um, or are you at the point now where you're just like, man, I found a lot of sheds and if it gets more people outside, no big deal to me. Well, it's, you definitely got to protect your spots. Um, you know, the best guys that are, you know, are the guys that are smart enough to keep their mouth shut. You know, I mean, right. you know, I, you know, I'm always trying to promote, you know, my book and stuff on, on Facebook, but I'm also trying to you know educate people. And right. so I post a lot of stuff. You know, there's some guys that just keep it tight lip. Don't post it on the internet. And that's the safest way to play it. But, um, yeah. a lot of times I won't post a picture the same day I find a shed just in case somebody happened to see my truck, you know, and then mm. I can kind of throw people off a little bit. That's a good um, point. Or, you know, sometimes being conscious about the background or whatever, if there's some kind of obvious feature in the background, um, mm-hmm. you know, just be yeah. a little careful or take a, take a lot of shots like, toward the ground and not like a, a nice background for you to, to <laughs> see, you know, cause there's yeah. people that, you know, there's, you know, the guys that are, are into it, I mean, they're, they're smart enough to sometimes they can figure out, you know, like, I know that spot or I, I recognize that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the new popular uh, 
uh, social media flex to do is if you find a, a public land shed, you take that shed and you find a boundary marker, you know, where it's like Iowa state land or Minnesota state land or whatever, you know, and, uh, they, they'll like hang that shed on that sign. <laughs> it's like, all right, which, which public piece is that again? You know, you're, you're like racking your brain trying to figure out where they were, but yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be smart about that. I mean, you can, you can uh, burn your spot out pretty easy, but yeah. th- there, there's one other thing that I've, I, I think I saw, I think this was you who posted this. There's like this big old chalky moose paddle that you see like every year and you've been walking by it for years if i remember and it's got like you know moss all growing inside of it and and like probably even like little plants sprouting in the paddle as the soil is collected and stuff um is that you or is that or am i thinking of somebody else yeah that's me um i found that one let's see I found that moose shed in 2019, I think. Okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 20, 2020. And then I saw, I found it again. I left it late. I found it again in 2021. And then this year with the spring we had, I never did get in that spot. But, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I've been taking a picture of it every year to try to um, just kind of track its progress, you know. And it, it, yeah. You know, it's yeah. green, green right now. So it's kind of cool to see what happens with it. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a nice shed too. It's a. It's a good size one, if I remember correctly. Pretty good paddle yeah. there. But yeah, it's 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 cool to just get outside and and observe things like that. And and uh, you know, lately there's been I've seen some criticism of of shed hunting. You know, evidently the guys who uh, you know they they walk into the woods and uh. uh buck goes ahead and wraps the tag around their antlers for him or whatever that you know that that's the way they talk anyways um <laughs> that they they'll dog shed hunting and they'll say you know it's uh it's nature's participation trophy or um i can't remember the other one that they they always like to throw out but um it's it to me it's like so so what's your alternative then go watch tv go uh right you know go uh play golf go play or not even then you can't even play golf that time of year i mean like what's what's the alternative you know (laughs) you know what i mean go sit on your phone all day and yeah and what whenever you pick up a shed you're you're interacting with a different animal you know and if you if you only got to lay hands on antlers every time you filled a tag well in iowa that means a maximum if you're a landowner and you can hunt the ground that that you you own and if you fill an archery tag and a gun tag you could have a maximum of three bucks a year you know that you could Mm -hmm. interact with whereas if you go shed hunting you know like this year I think my my shed count ended up being 22 sheds this year, which is a really good year for me. And, yeah. And uh, I think only I split a match with my buddy Caleb, and um, I found a match with my son Jonas on Valentine's Day. All the rest were singles. 
and um and we looked hard for the the match they were just probably on the neighbor's ground or somebody already saw it and picked up the other one you know or whatever but all those deer you get to interact with and and uh Mm -hmm. i don't know i think it's just such a cool learning experience to to go shed hunting or to see how they're using the habitat during the late season or i mean all of it just i don't know to me it gives me a, a much deeper uh appreciation and understanding of of the woods would you agree with that joe yeah absolutely it's I've probably learned a lot more about deer from shed hunting than from, from deer hunting because you're just, like, to be successful, you have to be constantly paying attention to what's around you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah, like you said, I mean, you could you know, possibly have interactions with dozens of different bucks through the year, you know, um, versus just, you know, one or two maybe. Yeah. And, and yeah. When, yeah. When, when you're shed hunting, you're. I think you're reading way more sign when you're shed hunting than you do when you're just regular hunting. Because when you're, when you're just deer hunting, you have a, a set idea in your mind of where you're going to hunt. You go to that tree stand and you spend hours, sometimes days in, in one spot. I mean, you might be able to look out and, you know, at the edge of your vision, see some scrapes or some rubs or something like that, maybe a deer mm-hmm. trail. But when you're shed hunting, you're, you're doing that the entire time you're scanning for sign, you know, and, and trying to, mm-hmm. and you're getting into new country and, and stuff like that. I mean, unless you, unless you do some like buck tracking, you're just not going to gain that kind of experience. Um, from yeah. deer, from just deer hunting. I mean, you gotta. I, th- I think it. I think there's just so much value there. So, yeah. But if you know you're listening in, you're scoffing. <clears throat> uh, one time, Brandon, we were I we were talking about shed hunting a little bit with a guy who we interviewed on here, and uh, yes. he forgot that his uh, video was on while he was we were doing the Skype call, and he was laughing. He was uh he was <laughs> he was mocking, but that's fine because. You know what? They're not getting the, getting to the sheds before I do. So, yeah. A, well, I mean, I mean, honestly, the thing that really intrigued me about shed hunting, and it's something that's slowly growing on me, you know, is, I mean, sheds sheds are really the stuff that legends are made out of. You know, so mm. so you know, obviously, you can find older sheds, but you know, obviously, we're we're all in the game every year of finding you know new sheds, freshly laid sheds, and that speaks to the legends that are still alive, you know, that, that man, your, your hope for seeing something like that, you know, or, or just even the, the, the fact that you just mentioned what you can learn from it. And, you know, so much of learning the travel patterns, the regular travel patterns and where these things are laying down at and how that applies to how the deer are traveling or how the animals, whatever you're, you're searching out for traveling. So, I mean, to me, it, it just adds to the legend of these awesome animals and it, you know, it gets you, it really, you know, primes the pump for the, you know, what's to come in the future. And it's, you know, you look for those ways that you, you have those spans of time between seasons where you can learn. It fills in those gaps. You're still learning, you're enjoying it. And in many cases, you almost enjoy it as much as you would re- the regular deer season or hunting season because of all the enjoyment that goes into it. So it's pretty neat to see how, you know, it's just a continuation of the learning process you know, and the stuff that dreams are made out of. So, I mean, to hear Joe talk about it and I honestly can't, you too. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you really become 
you know, a, an awesome shed hunter. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting to hear guys talk about it. And like, for those of us out there like me, that I've never been a huge shed hunter, but getting into it a little bit more each year now, you know, it gives me that excitement and desire to want to get out there and go after them. So I appreciate you guys for that. Oh, yeah, I appreciate you for saying so. It's, yeah, it's a ton of fun and to me, totally worth every, every uh, minute of time you spend doing it, even if you aren't able to wear pants while uh you're looking it's <laughs> but, oh, man. <laughs> sorry joe but, oh it's just such a great story well hey uh shed hunting and uh deer hunting and and uh writing aren't the only thing you do you've got a, a fishing guide service that uh looks like you've been pretty busy over the summer and uh you think you got a new boat and and all that i mean how was uh fishing this summer it was awful <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah no it, it actually was a really poor year um lake superior got you know just stayed really cold this summer and mm. uh, everybody kind of struggled this year um it's been um you know our brother and butter fish out there is lake trout and they spawn in the fall so um we're in the final month here of actually the final couple of weeks of lake trout season, but uh, it usually gets pretty good this time of year. And I was out a few times earlier this week and um, we, we've been doing pretty well, but uh, yeah, for, for the most part, it was a really tough year. Uh, and last year was a really good year. So I guess that's just fishing. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and, and you did get a new boat, correct? Is that, is that improved uh, the, your experience guiding? I, I did get a new boat. I still, uh, I still use my old boats too, though. And I still like my old boat better. So, <laughs> I'm a boat guy. I can't get enough boats. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, that, yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's for sure. I think I remember once you, uh, had a really cool client that you posted about, um, the guy from uh, Outdoor Wisconsin, I can't remember his name. Um, but, oh, Dan but, Small. Yes, Dan Small. Yeah, the the host of Outdoor Wisconsin. Now I don't I don't get Outdoor Wisconsin anymore. Is he still doing that? You know, I I don't know. I believe he is, as far as I know. Um, I I haven't watched the show in quite a while, but I believe he is, and he's been doing it since I want to say like 1984. So he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've never, I don't think I've ever mentioned this before on the show, but <clears throat> outdoor Wisconsin, I didn't grow up in Wisconsin or anything like that. I did attend college in Wisconsin. It's actually where I met Brandon. And uh, um, I have family up in Wisconsin, but I lived in uh, Iowa and Illinois while I was growing up. But uh, they would show that, they would air outdoor Wisconsin on the Illinois uh, public television uh, station that that uh was local to where i was living and you know i've talked about this part a million times uh, being a first gen hunter and not having a chance to ever hunt outdoor wisconsin was something that i watched pretty much uh you know maybe i shouldn't say weekly but probably pretty close to weekly it'd come on saturdays and if uh, we weren't gone or you know i was at home watching tv i'd be sure to watch it and you know just seeing the hunting segments and of course i enjoyed the fishing too but the hunting part was what really fascinated me because i didn't have a chance to go hunting you know and so uh yeah. seeing that seeing that show just always 
uh, would whet my appetite. And, and Dan small was just such a good guy for that. Like, uh, I don't know. He's kind of like the, the Tom Brokaw of, <laughs> of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like outdoor television. It feels like, you know, just, you can tell he's super smart, just has this, you know, very, very unique, but, but, um, I don't know, cool demeanor to him where he just draws you in and tells a good story. And, and you could tell he, he loved what he was doing. And so, uh, you know, outdoor Wisconsin certainly was a, a significant player in my, uh, uh, what kept my hopes of someday hunting alive, you know? So was, when I saw that you mm-hmm. took took him out fishing, that was, that was pretty cool. Did you, uh, did you guys have a good time when you guys went? Oh, we had a blast. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I'd met him, uh, uh, years ago and, uh, I, you know, he's been doing this for a long, long time. And, you know, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I hated to make him feel old, but I'm like, I remember watching him when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. And I just, the way it all worked was like, I'm just like, hey, I would just love to just go fishing with you someday and just pick your brain and talk about your career and, you know, what you've done over the years. And, you know, you know, as a, as a young, you know, outdoor writer myself, you know, I just kind of wanted to hear, you know, his story, you know? And, yeah. And so I, I had an odd whether I was going to ask him. But I finally got the courage to, email him and and uh he's like um yeah he's like we can film a show like can you do it next week and i, I wasn't planning on filming a show or anything. <laughs> i was just like i just want to go <laughs> and then i'm trying yeah. to scramble to, to find you know to get it all put together and, and he wanted somebody to come along and help drive his uh um his own boat you know for the camera crew and sure and uh so but it was it was a neat experience uh we did not end up catching a, a muskie. It was a muskie fishing trip. We did not end up uh, catching a muskie. And the funny thing is, is uh, my buddy Craig, uh, I roped him into driving the camera boat. And uh, Dan insisted that, you know, Craig should fish as much as he can. You know, the camera crew comes first, but, like, Craig should fish because we're talking the, the fish of 10,000 casts. Right, yeah. If Craig could get one, you know, just helping our chances of <laughs> getting a fish. And um, Dan had borrowed a... Uh, is a four hundred dollar muskie rod to Craig, and uh, Craig ended up breaking that in half. Oh <laughs> and, no! <laughs> yeah. On then, what? Uh, this yeah. a snag or? It's just no. He just during mid cast, it just you know it just snapped. Um, it must have been like a little defect uh. in the workmanship or something. But I'm sure it was under warranty. And then uh, <laughs> and the kicker was they had to get going. Um, they had to go film another segment. Uh, you know, half hour away that okay. they already had scheduled. And, uh, so it was such a nice afternoon. Craig and I just decided to keep fishing ourselves. And of course, an hour after the TV crew left, uh, then we put a muskie in the boat. Oh man. <laughs> oh. I bet Craig yeah. felt like jumping in the water as soon as he broke that rock. <laughs> I gotta go now. <laughs> I, I, I got a picture, uh, with Dan and Craig and a broken rod and Craig looking kind of like shrugging his shoulders and looking sheepish and Dan just kind of smiling. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh man, that's a that's a great story. So, is there an episode like if if uh, listeners went and looked up? Yeah, um, that aired. I want, I want to say that might have aired uh, like 2019, 2020. I, I don't remember. I think it was in the springtime, one of those two years. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna have to go chase that down because I'd like to see that, and I haven't I haven't seen that show in a long time. Might be a good good thing to like start introducing uh, my son to. He'd probably get an appreciation for that show. I mean, 
uh, just that's probably about the age I started watching it. So yeah, it's mm. it's uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool stuff. So uh, going fishing with the the outdoor Wisconsin group. You know what? I what hit me though is I think you need to send him another uh, email and say, hey, how about going uh, shed hunting with me sometime? And then you could take Dan small uh, shed hunting. I don't know if they. I bet they've never done a shed hunting feature on outdoor Wisconsin. Do you think? Um, they might have uh, actually, um, this is kind of a funny story. So, uh, Dan has a son named John and, uh, there was talk about doing a, a kind of a spinoff of that show. Um, and I don't know that it ever got off the ground. Um, I, I'm not sure I haven't followed up on it. And so John was going to come along and shut out with me, I think two years ago, two springs ago. And, uh, and, uh, so we got together, we're going to, you know, shoot this, uh, shed hunting segment. And, uh, I, I didn't know what to do about if I should do this or not, but I, let's just say I seeded the area a little bit to make sure we had some footage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, so as we're out there walking around, it was, uh, John and the cameraman and myself, and we're walking around and I'm purposely kind of trying to steer John over to this certain area where there may or may not have been a uh, planted antler and I'm trying to steer him <laughs> over there. And, uh, the cameraman is in on it. He knows that I planted a shed over here and I'm trying to steer John over there. And, uh, John just kind of went rogue and, uh, he goes off on his own and, uh, he ends up finding a shed that I did not plant. It was actually, Awesome. Buried in the grass. Yeah, it was kind of a year too old, but he ended up finding it. And that was the first set he'd ever found. Wow. And unfortunately, wow. We, had one, we had one cameraman between the two of us. And unfortunately, um, he was not under the camera at the time that this actually happened, but uh, he yelled loud enough that you could hear it in the background. He's like, hey, I just found a shed. And I'm like, scratching my head. It's like, well, that's not right. And like, <laughs> that's awesome it worked out nice you know i wish i wish we got that on film but it worked out nice that he actually found a, a legit set that was the first one he'd ever found so yeah cool too cool yeah that's great yeah very cool well the last thing we really got to cover tonight is um uh, you you got a new book coming out. I'm super excited about it. I'm excited to purchase a copy for myself and yeah. and uh, dive into these stories. And I do want to say I want to start this out here. Joe has been an outdoor writer for a long time. Um, uh, how many years do you think, Joe? You've been you've been publishing at least articles. I think it's got to be around twenty. So pushing 20 years. That's awesome. And, uh, I think for a while, weren't you the, you were one of the editors or the editor for, uh, deer and deer hunting. Isn't that correct? Yeah. I was managing editor of deer and deer hunting for a few years. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And, and, uh, the author of still what I believe to be the only book on shed hunting that's out there. Um, and, uh, then uh there there's actually a, a time when i um was looking through a fur fishing game magazine i'd never i so again you know first gen hunter i'd never heard of that magazine and i saw 
at a uh, grocery store like magazine aisle and the cover just caught my eye because it looks very vintage i mean it's an old it's one of the oldest outdoor magazines i believe um that that's been published and um i don't know i just have my eye is always drawn to something that looks you know vintage old you know i just find it interesting and so i saw that cover and i start looking through there i'm like oh look here's an article by joe shed so uh even in uh magazines like fur fish and game uh joe's been writing for and um you know producing a lot of his own content he's released a couple of videos back uh i imagine joe when those were coming out that was back before youtube was was really yeah. uh taken off and um that was kind of the name of the game at that point was uh if you're going to produce hunting content it's going to come out on dvd and and uh so joe made a few shed hunting dvds uh, uh a while ago which are still great my kids love watching them and uh actually uh, kind of a funny story about that um when we moved here of course uh uh, we had no internet. We're out in the middle of the country. And, uh, so like we just didn't watch TV for months. I think I went probably, unless I was visiting somebody's house, I think I probably went, or like if t the TV was on at a restaurant, I think I probably went like five or six months without watching TV after we, uh, wow. we moved here. It was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, kind of crazy. And, uh, the first thing we watched, we get, finally bought a DVD player because somehow our DVD player stopped working. And um, the first thing uh, that we found when we were unpacking boxes or something, or, or we, we got it. No, here's why it happened. Because we got the DVD player right as like shed season was starting and I was having the itch, you know, I was like, you know what, let's put Joe Shed's uh, shed hunting DVDs in there. And so my son and daughter and I, we sat on the couch and watched both of your shed hunting DVDs and the kids loved it. And, uh, it was just fun to, to see that and, and see all the cool sheds you picked up in your neck of the woods there and out West. And so my, my point is for all this, Joe's been doing hunting content for a long time and good content. He's got a, uh, he's been on other podcasts and, uh, you know, he's, he's just very respected in the outdoor, uh, content media content world. So you got a book, another book coming out. You're, you're no stranger to writing books, but, um, are you pretty stoked about this? I mean, is this something you've been planning for a really long time? Yeah, I, I am really excited about it. Um, it's, you know, I, I wrote the shed hunting book like 15 years ago now, and I, I haven't written any books since. And um, so, yeah, it was just kind of one of these things that I don't even know how I decided to do it, but it's it's just a collection of short stories. Like, I'm not a long-winded writer. Like, I never wrote a paper in high school or college. I never wrote a 10-page paper in, in college. It was more than eight pages and like one line on the ninth, you know, that's like <laughs> triple space and large font. And I just, I've never been a long winded writer. So, um, so it's just going to be a collection. Yeah. It's going to be a collection of short stories. So there's, I think going to be 37 stories in this book. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So 37 stories. Uh, and the, the title of the book is Bucktails, correct? Correct. Yeah, so and a nice little play on word there, you know, because like the tail on a buck, but tail with an e instead of an i. Yeah. So pretty, pretty slick there. That's that's a good that's a good it's uh, a good title. Um, but uh, I mean, do you, 
do you uh kind of go in chronological order where the first stories are going to be you know when i was 10 i shot my first buck and or are you gonna or is it just gonna kind of you know what whatever came to your mind first well uh not surprisingly the first story in the book is the story of my first buck okay yeah but uh i i broke it down into three different sections um kind of when i think about deer hunting there's you know kind of a few different you know things that come to mind i mean so the first section is called deer hunts and it's just kind of straight up hunting stories, you know, like telling, telling your dad or your uncle or whatever, tell them, you know, a good hunting story. And right. That's where I kind of mm-hmm. started off with. Um, the second section is camaraderie. Um, a lot of times for me, the people involved are, are more important than the deer or the, or the hunt, you know, like mm-hmm. who you're with and how it played out. And, and, uh, so that's a big part of it. Having a good hunting partner who can help drag yep. out your deer or, or maybe be the laughing stock of a joke or two, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, the, <laughs> and then the third section is reflection. It's kind of like more a little bit introspective, kind of looking back at the hunt or taking it in a different twist than just a straight up deer story. Just kind of getting a little, I don't know, like hoity-toity and fancy, and and taking a little different spin on it. A little philosophical. And, and yeah, a little philosophical. Yeah, and that's that's my favorite section. Um, that part too. So very good. Yeah. And then, uh, I, and I was, you know, uh, and I'm trying to do a hardcover and I think I was, my page count was at 176 and I'd kind of, it, it's expensive to print a hardcover. So I was thinking, well, I'd like mm-hmm. to maybe fluff up the book a little bit more. So, cause I'm going to have to charge a little bit more just to recoup, you know, the cost of the printing. Right, so I right. thought, well, maybe I could add some more pages to it. So I kind of put a vote out yesterday on Facebook to see if, uh, if I should put in my moose story in there to kind of fill some pages, you know, it, it's supposed to be a deer hunting book, but you know, do you throw a moose hunting thing in there and kind of taint it or, or, uh, do you just go with the, you know, I, I could write more deer hunting stories, but that takes more effort. <laughs> uh, I already got the moose yeah. ready to go. You know? so, right. Um, overwhelmingly people are saying go with a moose, you know, kind of a bonus section. So I think I'm going to throw that in there too. Oh, awesome. Yes. That's, yes. that's good. I'm glad our votes were, uh, our votes were heard, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think it sounds like a fantastic idea. I love reading books yeah. in that format. I think it'd be something that'd be a lot of fun to mm-hmm. take, take to the tree stand with you and, uh, help yeah. pass some of those slow hours. And it'd be also a great thing to read with the kids or, you know, uh, little bedtime story or something like that. Read them a short story and, uh, just watch their imaginations run a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's a great project you're doing and I'm really glad you're putting the moose one in, you know, here's another thing you could do too, to help boost your page count a little bit. What if, uh, so I think I, I suggested that you do the moose story as an epilogue and as the prologue, you could uh, do the uh, caribou because didn't you have a successful caribou hunt in the Alaska ones? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so so maybe you could do the caribou hunt to kick things off, the moose hunt to to uh, finish it off. But uh, no, I think anything you write, man, people are gonna love reading it, and and uh, you know having having those extra stories in there. Uh, I think it's just great. And, and let's be honest, it'd be pretty tough unless you just did like a general hunting. Cause I know you've done some waterfowl hunting and stuff like that too. Um, 
that you've posted about before. At least I think you have. And, uh, you know, unless you did like a, another book later on, that was just a general hunting book. It might be kind of hard to get the moose story and, the the caribou story into a book just because it wouldn't be long enough probably but although you probably could if you really stretched out the moose story you could probably make that into a full book that that was quite the odyssey that you were on <laughs> right, yeah yeah and the, and the fun part with the, the moose story it, it's a long story in and of itself but uh um i'm gonna add to it here i, I was working on laying it out last night um after the overwhelming demand for the story but uh um i'm going to add uh, the rest of the story as paul harvey would say um because after i got the most mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot more story to it um oh yeah I, uh, ended up getting i ended up getting pulled over by a straight state trooper in alaska um because i was kind of <laughs> trying to hop for it. i was trying to hop for it for home because my brother was getting married uh, oh, in Milwaukee. Yeah. And, and it's a four-day drive from Alaska to Wisconsin. And uh, I was kind of pushing a little bit. I got pulled over. He asked if I'd been hunting. And I and I said, you know, I've got nothing to hide. I shot this moose. Everything's on the up and up, you know. And he's, it's like, can I take a look at it? And, and uh, I didn't have it properly tagged. And that's because uh, when I bought the license, I didn't get the tag I was supposed to get. And uh, it became a whole fiasco. So uh. I began, I, I had a, uh, I kind of had to turn myself in and I had to work with the licensing department in, in Juneau and I had to work with the Walmart where I bought the license in Anchorage and then I had to work with the uh, fish and game and finally had to get everybody's blessing. He's like, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't go across the border until this is resolved. And I'm like, I agree, but I need to get home quick. You know? right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Finally, finally got it all worked out. Everybody gave me their blessing. I was good. Uh, the thing that saved me, like, Walmart and Anchorage had no record of me ever buying this license. And I'm like, pull the security footage. The kid didn't know what he was doing. I was there for 45 minutes at the counter trying to buy this license. And uh, yeah. the, thing, the thing that ultimately saved me, I paid cash for the license. Um, I think I'll pay credit card from now on, so there's more of a paper trail. But I had the receipt in my wallet from, from paying. Nice. And that's, oh, that's what man. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, your blood well, pressure had to be yeah. through the roof. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and so then it was like, well, we were, and my brother, my other brother came up to drive home with me. And uh, so it's like, well, we're just going to keep this under wraps until the wedding is over. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Alaska, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you know, you know what? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, you know, the, the one thing that really sticks out to me, you know, hearing these stories and a couple of things, you know, when I was growing up, some of the, some of the very first things that got me into hunting was, was reading stories like that, you know, reading different mm. magazines and reading stories. Yeah. And uh, because when, when you think about it, we, our lives are really, they are a collection of stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so when we share those, not only are we passing along knowledge and information, but we're passing along the adventure and the fun. And, uh, it's, it's part of, it's part of us reliving the story, but others enjoying it as well. And so I can remember as a kid reading these different stories and that's exactly the way they really weren't geared to be, Hey, let me teach you tactics. It's just, Hey, this is my story. And so much of that is a reason I think why a lot of people fall in love with the outdoors and deer hunting. And so I have no doubt that this book will 
encourage the next generation, other people, you know, uh, first gen hunters yeah. to continue to fall in love with it. So def- definitely looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. Cool. And, and you know what, Brandon, I think you hit on a good point there. This is something that I've, I've been thinking about a lot, you know, when you consume this content, that's what you're really hungry for. And a lot of times if mm-hmm. the story is well-written, it's going to contain all the tactics in there, you know, like yeah. somebody, somebody could read the, well, I think you can go back to one of the previous interviews that we've done with Joe here on the show and, and hear about the story when Joe just followed a set of deer tracks until he led to a deer you know and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh you know you there's a whole set of tactics that you could learn by reading that story that that joe uh uh, told in that case but speaking of which joe can you give us a quick sample here before we uh hang this one up yeah i could do that i i got one yeah it's kind of a short story that might work out for you well oh yeah yeah that'd be great yeah okay um, well, this one involves uh, some of my friends. I actually was not along for this story, so I heard it all secondhand. So, oh, very I, cool. I thought, was, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting tale. So yeah, those some are of my good. Friends on, on day, yeah, on a day I wasn't there. So this one's called The Great Not-So-Great Deer Drive. It was getting late in the Wisconsin gun deer season, and the meat pole was about as barren as a deer stand during the Packer game. <laughs> for days now. Ryan, his wife, and their uh, his wife Jen and their friend Andy had been hunting in northwestern Wisconsin to no avail. The deer weren't moving, and there weren't many opportunities for a shot. The pit of Ryan's stomach was as empty as his freezer. Whether it's deer, duck, grouse, fish, or even mushrooms, Ryan prides himself on feeding his family from the fat of the land. With a plethora of both buck and doe tags, it was time to make something happen. Ryan had devised a, a surefire scheme that would surely push a deer to Jen and Andy. He dropped to a knee like a quarterback, drawing up the deadly plan with a finger in the snow. Ryan's own deer stand would serve as the ambush point. This monstrosity of stacked logs would make a log cabin jealous. It's a veritable fortress against the wind, and it is with some trepidation that I walk near it, wondering when and if a sleepy bear will ever decide it's the perfect place to spend the winter. <laughs> <laughs> While in the stand, you have to you have a lake to your back, which pretty much eliminates the need to turn around to look behind you. To the left is a boggy black spruce and tamarack swamp that runs the lake. Just 100 yards or so to the left of the stand, a nearly, imp- a nearly imperceptible change in elevation alters the entire forest community, and the swamp trees give way to an oak forest, which spreads out in front of the stand. To the right, a thick copse of alder and willow hug the lake and provide thick cover. This brushy area was the key to the drive. After days of hunting pressure, Ryan reasoned reasoned the deer would be tired of running from hunters who could see and shoot them from the relative openness of the oak forest. Those deer would be holed up in thick cover, and that brush is just the ticket. With some final parting advice, Ryan left Jen and Andy at his stand, circled wide out into the oaks, then looped around to the lakeside brush, which he would walk toward the stand in hopes of pushing deer to Jen and Andy. The standers sat quietly with great anticipation. After days of fruitless sits, there's excitement in knowing that someone is actively pushing deer toward you and that any moment a deer could step into view. Ryan crashed into the nearly impenetrable wall of brush. It would be impossible to slip through the tangled mess undetected, and that was just fine with him because he hoped to rouse any deer holed up in there and send them toward his waiting standers. Ryan picked his way through the dense stand, 
At times, he had to get down on his knees to duck under horizontal branches. Sometimes all he could do was bulldoze his way through. It was a great sacrifice, but it would all be worth it if his plan worked like he hoped. Just a few minutes into the brush, Ryan was thrilled to hear a shot, then another, from the direction of his stand. In those days, Jen shot a very short, modified, single-shot forty-four rifle that made a distinct pop, which was followed nearly immediately by Andy's louder three oh eight. Ryan beamed as he continued on. Seconds later, a third shot roared from the stand. Then all was quiet. Ryan paid his due diligence by completing the drive, but his legs could hardly carry him fast enough. He was just dying to hear what had happened. Ryan finally emerged from the labyrinth of brush and hustled to his stand. Jen and Andy were out of the stand when he arrived, standing over their deer. Five does and fawns had appeared, straight in front of the stand. We were moving along slowly, not too concerned. Andy whispered that Jen should shoot first. While she aimed, Andy steadied his rifle on the log stand as well, and as soon as she shot, Andy fired two. Two does dropped. The remaining three deer bounded off a few steps, then stopped, unsure of what had just happened. One of them stopped in the open, and with two doe tags in his pocket, Andy dropped another deer. Ryan was feeling pretty proud of himself. It all worked hmm. out like clockwork, except it didn't. All the deer had come from the tamarack and spruce swamp on their own from the other side of the stand. Nothing came out of the brush where Ryan was walking. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes our best light plans. Oh, man. That, that is, that is oh, awesome. Love it. That's awesome. <laughs> I just know there's going to be deer in there. Oh, man. That's a great story. Well, Joe, I... Joe, I think you've got you've got a good uh, you've got a good future in the narration too. Your voice sounds really good. Okay, well, that's that's good to hear because I always wonder about that. No, maybe you can <laughs> may, maybe you can uh, maybe you can uh, release it as an audio book too later on. That'd be cool. There you go. Yes. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun to to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you reach a whole new audience that way too. But yeah, yeah I I am a. Super excited for that book to come out. I'll be uh, ordering a copy as soon as uh, it's uh, posted for sale. And uh, if anyone listening in wants to get their hands on a copy, what's the best way to do that? Well, it'll be on my website, GoShedHunting.com. And uh, it should be coming out sometime in October here, just to produce it. Perfect. So nice. right, right as you're uh, all wound up tight with that, preseason energy and excitement you'll uh have to do a little shopping for yourself and might make a good christmas gift as well uh for somebody that you know who likes to hunt and uh uh, uh just give them some uh good reading material like i said for the tree stand or or wherever be a um just a, a nice way to treat somebody to some good content there but thank you so much joe for coming back on the show and and sharing a thing or two and some good laughs, some good stories. Um, and, uh, you know, it's about time to put the fishing rod away and get ready for hunting season up there. Yeah. It's, uh, finally, uh, finally getting here. The beers are getting a little cooler. Finally. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm, uh, chomping at the bit here for this hot weather to kind of, sail south and bring in the nice cool weather of fall and and uh keep going with it um actually uh hung a tree stand this morning and uh nice while we were while i was climbing up 
the first two sticks that we had strapped to the tree. Uh, my buddy Caleb, who was helping me all of a sudden, is like whispers to me. He's like, Buck, big Buck. <laughs> and and this uh, <laughs> this big old mature buck just comes walking like right up to us. And, you know, it'd be one thing if it was like at the end of hanging the stand, you know, we probably could have like, yeah. like gotten down on the ground and like snuck out of there. But this was yeah. at the beginning and he was getting ready to like go bed down for the day. We were, we were like right on the edge of his little <laughs> hidey hole there. And, uh, we got some incredible footage. Um, I'm going to put it in the, uh, uh, hunt therapy group text, Brandon, and, uh, you'll get to see that, yeah, but, nice. uh, Joe, I can send you a copy too, since uh, you got an iPhone, it'll, it'll, uh, transfer well, I think, but, um, yeah, I'm just excited for the season to start. Bucktails will be another good way to, to get into that. And, um, yeah, just keep following along with Joe. You can follow him on, uh, you can go to his website, which is go You can order the other book that he wrote on shed hunting there as well, I believe. And, uh, maybe even those, uh, DVDs are those, you got any of those still available, Joe? There's still some out there. Yeah. Yep, and uh, also some T-shirts I think uh, that Joe has for sale on occasion, and and uh, um, yeah, any other content that's for sale there you can find there, and then uh, look look him up on uh, Facebook as well. I think the Facebook page is also called Ghost Shed Hunting. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So so head over there and uh, f- give Joe a follow and. <laughs> You'll get some good insider uh, content like uh, shed hunting, uh, pantless shed hunting, or uh, <laughs> or uh, the the ancient rotten uh, moose paddle that he walks by each year and gets a picture of, or whatever it is. But uh, you'll uh, you'll have a fun time following along. So thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you again to Joe and Brandon. Also want to thank our our presenting sponsor Spartan Forge uh, for. Uh, keeping the lights on here for first gen hunter and uh if you haven't yet make sure you get on there i have some new journaling to do within the spartan forge app uh write down our encounter today of course uh we used it while we were putting up the stand to mark where the stand is and um you know, some we rely heavily on around here during deer season. And I'd recommend anyone listening in to do the same. You can find a link for that in my link tree. Also, don't forget about Alex uh, from East to West Hunts. Go to alexgruen.com and uh, just talk to Alex about getting a hunt plan put together. Maybe you want to go hunt moose somewhere. I keep hearing of all these people mm-hmm. out hunting moose right now, and it's making me uh, uh, pretty envious of uh, them being able to do that. Maybe that's something you'd like to do. Well, Alex can help get you there. So uh, give Alex a call when you decide to pull the trigger on uh, his services. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10. Save yourself 10% roll that money right back into the cost of the tag or whatever else but uh alex is the guy to have it do it do that job for you so again alexgruen.com promo code first gen 10 thank you again everyone thank you again for listening in until next time take care and take someone hunting